United Soccer Coaches is proud to bring you the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast, covering all aspects and all levels of the game we love. The United Soccer Coaches podcast is presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer announcer Dean Linky, the longtime television and podcast voice of the association. Now, here's Dean with this week's show. This is Dean Linky, and if you listen to this show, you know I love working in the beautiful game. I love soccer at all levels, and I appreciate the platform the United Soccer Coaches has given me to host this show each and every week. And while I love the game and will promote it at every level, I certainly do not know everything. Not even close. Far from close. In fact, I feel like you could say that because I am in such a sweet spot of calling games and talking about the people that make this game great, I can find myself with my head in the clouds, smiling, laughing, enjoying life. Why do I start with that sentiment? Well, as you know, I also love the fact that United Soccer Coaches is all-inclusive, that they advocate and welcome and support everyone, no matter your race, your religion, your sexual orientation. All are welcome here with the United Soccer Coaches. All are welcome here. That includes all in the LGBTQ and allies community, including all people who are recognized as transgender. A topic that until this show, I did not know enough about. And perhaps there are others like me that also did not know enough about it. Well, after this show, hopefully our eyes and hearts are more open so that we do see good in all people and see that it is not easy to sometimes find your identity and be comfortable. Why is it not easy? Well, we sometimes don't make it easy and we need to listen and learn. Recently, the United Soccer Coaches LGBTQ and Allies Advocacy Group asked the association to make a statement regarding the anti-trans player legislation that many states are currently pushing through. And the United Soccer Coaches Board of Directors gave approval to make a statement. Cage Leitner, who transitioned from being a female to a male in his mid-20s after knowing for years that he did in fact identify himself as a male, is the founding executive director of Portland Community FC. You need to see what he's doing with that organization. And he also founded Quantum Gender, a consulting and education company that focuses on gender diversity and inclusivity in sports. Cage, as it turns out, was instrumental in drafting the statement that was released a few weeks ago. Let me read the statement from United Soccer Coaches. United Soccer Coaches stands in solidarity with every transgender and non-binary athlete around the country in opposition to all legislation that seeks to ban their participation in the sport they love. We believe that every athlete deserves the opportunity to experience the thrill and joy of playing sports. We see you, we support you, we will rise together. This entire show is dedicated to this issue, Cage's story and his mission to try and stop this legislation and to see all of you, all of you, We do that with Cage after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? 
If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. Team Snap is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. The United Soccer Coaches LGBTQ and Allies Advocacy Group asked the association to make a statement regarding the anti-trans player legislation that many states are currently pushing through and the board has given the approval. Cage Leitner, the founding executive director of Portland Community FC, was instrumental in drafting the statement that was released a few weeks ago. Let me read the statement from United Soccer Coaches before we meet Cage on the first of three segments here on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast. Here's the statement. United Soccer Coaches stands in solidarity with every transgender and non-binary athlete around the country in opposition to all legislation that seeks to ban their participation in the sport they love. We believe that every athlete deserves the opportunity to experience the thrill and joy of playing sports. We see you. We support you. We will rise together. With that, I want to say hello to Cage Leitner. Cage, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Oh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Cage, if you don't mind, I'm going to read a little bio here, so a couple minutes so people can get to know you. Cage Leitner earned his USF National C coaching license in 2003, but he has been coaching and working with youth for nearly 25 years. Cage grew up in Redmond, Washington, and began playing soccer at the age of eight, along with basketball, softball, and volleyball. Cage took a short hiatus from soccer from 2001 to 2003. During that time, he was on the nationally ranked number one rowing team at the University of Washington. As a novice rower, he earned the title of most inspirational. Ultimately, he found the beautiful game of soccer to be his true passion. In 2003, Cage came back to coaching and was the head coach of several competitive and recreational level teams in Seattle, in addition to coaching at many summer camps. In 2005, he moved to Portland, Oregon, where he was the head coach of a U-12 girls team and co-coach of a U-15 girls team at Eastside United FC, now Eastside Timbers. During his time at ESU FC, he also ran the speed and agility clinics and was the director of the U-6, U-8 Developmental League. Cage left ESU FC in 2007 and returned to coaching recreational teams for Laurelberg Soccer Club. It was also during this time he decided to begin the process of transitioning from living as a female to living as a male. This was challenging and also incredibly rewarding process for him. And in 2017, he founded Quantum Gender, a consulting and education company that focuses on gender diversity, inclusivity in sports. Again, that's called Quantum Gender, and we'll have more on that company in just a moment. Cage has also been the program director for various after-school programs and a caseworker for the Department of Human Services. He earned his master's in social work degree from Portland State University in 2012 and with that introduction did i get it right cage yeah you got it wow i haven't had that long of an intro in a long time that was fantastic thanks so much <laughs> well it's obviously heady times right now and let's just start with the statement as well you helped with united soccer coaches to make that statement what was the importance and to you what does that statement say 
Well, when I was thinking about the words that I that I thought were important to go into that statement, it was really around making it very simple, very upfront that the support from United Soccer Coaches is clear. There's no equivocation about it. It's just we support you and we see you. That statement of we see you is so valid and important to those of us in the transgender community. Um, because we're often not seen. Either um, we're ignored, we're looked over, we're considered not a part of kind of mainstream culture in so many ways. Or in my case, if you were to see me out in the world, you'd never know that I'm transgender because I have this sort of outward presentation that doesn't immediately tell people anything different than I look like a, a, a white man. And so the, the visibility aspect in whatever way that can come is so important. And so that's why I wanted that statement to say, we see you. That is a, an incredibly powerful thing to say to, to LGBTQ communities and specifically to transgender communities. For people like me that somehow kind of live in the clouds and just are happy to be able to spend time with you and call games and do what we love, put in, I guess, layman's terms, the issue that's going on right now so people understand it. Yeah, the issue that's happening right now is that there is an incredible wave across this entire country of legislation that is going specifically against transgender uh, athletes to participate, all the way from the youngest ages through up to, to collegiate level. And it's uh, legislation that's aimed at banning their uh, participation based simply on the fact that they're saying, this is my gender identity and I want to play on the team that fits my gender identity. There are about 30-ish states right now that have bills that are either passed and or in progress. Um, a lot of these bills are targeting specifically transgender girls. Now, what that means is that these are, are kids or young adults that when they were born, the doctor said that this is a boy. They were given the sex of boy of male at birth but their gender identity, the way they feel inside, what, what fits for them, as we all have a gender identity, is female, is somewhere in the female spectrum, and they want to play on girls' teams with the gender identity that matches for them. This, these legislations are basically saying you have to play on the team that matches the sex that's on your birth certificate, and there's no other way around it. Um, so that's the issue at hand, and the majority of the legislation is really targeting the transgender girls because the proponents of these bills are saying, if you are a, they're calling biological males, if you are a biological male, then you have to play with other boys because it's making it unfair to play with girls. Now, on the face of it, on the surface of it, there's lots of people who could say, well, yeah, that makes sense. Boys and girls, they're different, right? We've got to keep them separate. The problem is, is that we're not talking about the nuances of athletes and nuances of athletes at young ages. When we talk about elite sports, sure, we can talk about all these different categories of strength and size and all of those things. And I think that's where really stringent rules can be applied. But when we're talking about young kids you know, middle school, high school age kids, the spectrum of body size and strength and mass and all those things, it's going to vary across all kinds of kids. And so the, the legislation is just basically saying you have this sex as, as at birth. That means you're going to dominate over all these other kids. 
And the reality is, is that there's actually no standard proof out there right now that's showing that that's true. So these legislation um, bills are creating a problem that doesn't exist. And I think it's a political backlash um, of the, the political swing that's happened in our country and that it's it's fear mongering and it's pushing on a lot of the same fears and assumptions that were similar to when gay marriage was being talked about in this country of the fears of if you let gay people get married, they're going to marry animals, they're going to do crazy things, and it's going to be just an outlandish, uh, unbelievable, you know, dis destruction of the marriage um, sanctimony. Well, that hasn't happened, right? It's the same argument that's being given about trans kids participating in sports. If you allow trans girls to participate, it's going to be the destruction of women's sports, it's going to be the destruction of girls' sports. So that's the problem. That's where we're at. That's the issue. Okay, same question in layman's terms. We read your statement, but just in your own view, how wrong or right is this issue right now, Cage? I mean, I think this issue is one of the, the biggest issues that the trans community is facing because it's not just about athletes. It's got, it's got an athletic component to it. There's also a lot of bills going on around this, the country of healthcare-related issues for, for trans kids cutting off healthcare for trans uh, youth. I think this is a, an absolutely completely wrong thing to be uh, pushing through our country right now. We have got so many other issues happening in this country that deserve and need political uh, power and support around and preventing kids from playing sports because their gender identity is something different than what people deem as normal is ludicrous. It's absolutely unbelievably ludicrous to me that we would do that um, as a society and as a country. Um, so I'm just encouraging people to learn about it, get involved in it. Um, my website, cageleitner.com, uh, you can find me all over the internet too. I've got information and ways to get involved and ways to take action. And that's what I think people should be doing right now is really learning what's going on because it is sweeping the country and it is happening a bit under the radar unless people are talking about it. You already mentioned this is a political issue. One of the great things about United Soccer Coaches is they, they've never been afraid to dive into political issues and they've never been afraid to be diverse and open their arms to everybody. Why do you think the United Soccer Coaches Association is eager to get involved in this, Cage? Well, I think for a lot of the same reasons you just said is that United Soccer Coaches is not afraid of putting their foot right out there and saying, hey, we're going to get into this, these, these issues. We're going to be a part of this political spectrum because at the end of the day, political is personal. We all have something that's impacting our lives that is woven into our policies and our political spectrums in this country. And Soccer coaches aren't, uh, you know, separate from that. There's a whole lot of po politics that go into uh, the youth soccer game, into being a coach, into all the ways that we're trying to increase inclusive inclusivity within coaching. So I'm really proud to be a part of this organization and to be sitting on the leadership team of the LGBTQ and allies advocacy group. Um, we're growing. We're we're doing more and more to get the the language and the ideas and the concepts out there that. LGBTQ coaches exist. We're out there. We've existed forever. Um, and it's really great to be a part of a coaching organization that fully stands behind us 
and says, we, we see you, we want you to be a part of this. We want to include you in everything that's going on. Um, so I'm, I'm just proud to be a part of it. Cage, as you know, we work so hard to create opportunities for young girls to play soccer. What is this issue doing to affect that stance of getting more young girls to play soccer? Well, it's interesting because what it's doing on the negative side is that I think it's creating this dichotomy. It's creating these, these kind of polarization of using girls, whether they identify as transgender girls or cisgender girls. Now, cisgender just means that the sex you were, are given at birth and the, and the gender you identify with, they match, right? So if I'm born a girl and I identify as a girl, I'm a cisgender girl. If I'm born a girl and I identify as a boy, I'm a cis, I'm a transgender boy. Okay, that's how those that language works. Just so everybody's um, up to speed on that. But what it's doing is that it's it's using kids who identify as girls, and and using them as a pawn. Of we're gonna suddenly be as big legislative bodies in these in these different states. We're suddenly gonna be so interested and so concerned with the equality around girls playing. Where have all these legislatures been for decades when girls and women have had trouble getting into sports, having equal play in sports, having equal pay in professional sports? There's just such an unreal focus on girls and women in sports that I don't think is genuine. I don't think it's genuinely about increasing access. I think it's about denying access to transgender girls because there's fear. There's fear of we don't know what's going on. We think that it's going to take away from, from other girls when that's just not true. There's no proof of that. And the other really strange thing, Dean, that nobody, I haven't heard anybody talking about is that these legislations are saying you have to play on a, on a team that, assign, that you're assigned sex, what it says on your birth certificate is matching. Now think of a kid like me. If I was a kid, let's say I was in high school right now, and I identify as a boy, my gender identity is a boy, and I started taking testosterone, because kids can do that in some states. You can start taking testosterone at kind of a puberty age. But my birth certificate says female. That means I'd have to go play on the girls' team. But I would be technically, with more testosterone in my body, technically could have different muscle mass or all of these things that they say are such a big deal about transgender girls playing on the girls' team but nobody's talking about the transgender boys because it's this fear mongering and using girls and women as a pawn. It's still patriarchy. It's still misogyny. It's still male dominated voices saying we suddenly care about girls and women's sports, but it's really about fear of, of trans girls and women and it's transphobia flat out. No question. So the NCAA and FIFA have very black and white rules on transgender participation. Can mm -hmm. you explain what their rules are and how the association is feeling about those rules? Well, of course, I haven't looked at those rules in a little bit, and so I don't have them right off the top of my head. But from what I can remember of the NCAA rules, um, you get to play on a team that matches your gender identity. There's actually a ton of institutions that have rules that allow players to play with that matches their gender identity. Um, USS, uh, US soccer has rules, um, but the NCAA has allowed players to play on their teams that match their gender identity. 
I can't remember if there's specific rules around um, hormone testing. I know there's some institutions that have some hormone testing on the transgender female side to test levels of testosterone. Because when it comes down to it, that's what we're really talking about. We're talking about how does testosterone impact muscle strength, muscle size, endurance, um, cardiovascular endurance, and it does, it does change it. I'm sitting here in front of you as somebody who's been on testosterone for four, 13, 14 years. And of course my body's changed. My muscle structure has changed. I have stronger muscles, but that doesn't mean that we create this blanket ban on kids participating because there's these different idiosyncrasies of how bodies change. It's gotta be on a case by case basis. Um, and what a lot of institutions are doing out there who are looking at this in a holistic way um, the FA actually, Football Association in UK is a good example of this. They interview people, people who want to participate on the gender that matches their gender identity on the, on the team. They sit down and talk with them and say, okay, talk to us about your, your history, your path, your gender identity. And they actually get to know that person and find out where, where do they actually fit. Um, I think that's a great model. I don't think the NCAA is doing that. Um, but the NCAA does allow for um, inclusion into the, the team that matches your gender identity. We're here with Cage Leitner, who is speaking on behalf of United Soccer Coaches, who stand in solidarity with every transgender and non-binary athlete around the country in opposition to all legislation that seeks to ban their participation in the sport they love. As I mentioned, Cage founded Quantum Gender. Just a little segue before we take our first break. What will people find at Quantum Gender and how do they find it? What will they learn? Yeah, what you'll find at Quantum Gender is um, a little bit more about me and just kind of my background and my story as a trans person, but also um, kind of a general menu of the services that I offer that I can do around consulting and education and training. My goal when I'm hired as a consultant or a trainer is to come in and provide a really large holistic look at the concept of gender, not just terms and, and ideas, but let's really dig into what gender is, how we all experience it, um, to get a better sense of inclusivity and, and really expand the, um, the gender spectrum instead of just looking at it as this male-female binary. And that can be found at quantumgender.com, I take it? You actually can find that at cagelightner.com. K-A-I-G-L-I-G-H-T-N-E-R, cagelightner.com. We'll yep. have more with Cage Lightner after this quick break. It's the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. College coaches, make sure your program is registered for the 2020-21 College Services Program. While the 2020-21 season looks much different than any of us anticipated, we are committed to providing benefits for College Services members year-round. The College Services Program supports and promotes the college game, including rankings and awards for participating programs, regardless of when your season is played. For more information or to register your program, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org college. Looking for ways to improve your training session? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for more than 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential to every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to elevate your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. 
Welcome back to this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by TeamSnap. I am so pleased to be joined by Cage Leitner, who founded Quantum Gender. He transitioned from female to male. You are how old at the time, Cage, when you did that? Um, I started taking testosterone at the age of 27. 27, okay. And as you've heard in our first segment, he is here supporting the statement that United Soccer Coaches made that believes that every athlete deserves the opportunity to experience the thrill and joy of playing sports. We see you, we support you, we will rise together. Several very prominent female athletes have come out in support of these transgender athlete bands. Do you Mm -hmm. agree with their position? I'm guessing no. I don't. I don't agree with their position. Um, I understand the reason why people think this is is trying to save and and preserve women's and girls sports. I get why they think that's real and true. But what they're missing is the the complex layers of it. It can't be applied in a blanket statement of we just have to eliminate the participation of transgender girls. Um, in these sports out of fear that they're going to dominate um, over cisgender girls when it, there's just no proof of it. Um, there's actually been, um, there's been some different stories I've been following for a couple of years now of some track athletes that uh, in Connecticut that had a lawsuit, um, cisgender track athletes saying these transgender girls are coming in and taking our medals and they're winning game, they're winning track meets when actually the cisgender girls were also winning track meets against those trans athletes. They weren't, the trans athletes weren't dominating and winning every single event and every single meet. Um, There's variations in athletes. There's variations in sports. We can't just say you have this kind of body, you will only perform in this kind of way. It just has to be more nuanced than that. Um, This is so complex. There's no simple answer to this. There's nothing that's gonna satisfy everybody without a whole lot of work and without some more intentional steps and policies and really getting to know the different bodies of transgender and cisgender athletes. Um, so the, the, the women who are in support of these bands, um, I have a hard time with. The one that just came out, I just read about it today, that's in support of this, is Caitlyn Jenner, who's one of the most famous transgender women uh, athletes out there who obviously was Bruce Jenner for decades, who coincidentally I met uh, right before uh, Bruce transitioned to Caitlyn Jenner. We can, you can have me back on for that, Dean. I'll tell you <laughs> that story at another time. But I, to have somebody like Caitlyn Jenner come out and say, we should ban these kids. This isn't fair to women and girls sports is an absolute political move. She's running for governor. She's trying to unseat Gavin Newsom. Um, she's running for a Republican seat. She knows that's a soundbite for, for that end of the political spectrum to jump onto. Again, I go back to what I said before the break. Girls and women are being used as pawns in this political game, and it's, it's unconscionable that we're allowing this to happen, and they are moving through states faster than I can keep up with. Well, and part of the reason why the girls part is taking over is a lot of folks are saying what they're basically asking the question, what is going to stop teenage boys who, quote, identify as girls, but have not transitioned from dominating high school and club soccer? And I feel like you've already dispelled some of those myths, but I'll ask the question the way I just just asked it for your response, Cage. Yeah, well, first of all, it's kind of uh, creating this false scenario of like, you're going to have kids who are boys who have testosterone running through their bodies saying that they're girls just to go and win medals. 
I don't know of any kid who that's what their idea is of how they're going to win. Come on, give me a break. Kids are going to go and compete because they're athletes. They want to compete. They're not trying to find a sneaky way of competing and winning. Now, if you have a kid who has testosterone in their body, they have, they've been uh, given the sex of boys at, at a boy at birth and they identify as a girl, their life is hard. Just know that for right now, for real. That is not an easy path. That is not the path that um, has a whole lot of uh, support or emotional safety to it. So these sports are the outlet for, for kids. I, I, that was what it was for me. Sports were my outlet as a, as a kid who didn't fit um, into the norms. And so this isn't like some scheme that's trying to, to, to win championships and win medals. Um, and I would venture to guess that the majority of kids who are playing or competing against transgender girls, they don't really care. This is more when adults step in, have their own agendas, have their own ideas of what's right or what's wrong, what's normal, what's abnormal, and are trying to make changes from, from the, the adult perspective. But if you go and ask a bunch of kids if what they think, they just want to compete. They just want to have fun. They just want to play. Um, and, and one more point to this, when we're talking about the, the bodies and kind of the biological aspect, which is where things get real murky, there's also the option for kids to take what's called puberty blockers. And puberty blockers are a, a safe, completely legitimate thing that doctors will, will prescribe to younger kids starting at like maybe 10 or 11, where it, it suppresses the, the kind of normal progression of, of puberty in, in a body so that kids can um, continue to experience their body in a way that feels good to them. For example, if I had taken puberty blockers as a kid, I wouldn't have started um, having periods. I wouldn't have started developing breast tissue, which all sent me through the roof. I was completely a completely anxious mess when that started happening to me because I didn't fit the way that I felt. It didn't feel natural to me. So if I'd started puberty blockers, none of those things would have happened. I would have continued to kind of have more of a masculine kind of feel in my body and look in, in the world. And that would have given me more time to understand my gender and have my own progression um, in life. And that is possible for trans kids right now, unless their state is prohibiting healthcare, which is a whole other issue. But if a kid is taking puberty blockers, they are not having a course of, of testosterone coursing through their body. They are not going to be anywhere close to a physical advantage over anyone if we have to go down that road of, um, of biology. So it's so complex, Dean. There's just no way of having a conversation about this that doesn't have so many different tangents that go everywhere. And that's why we got to just talk about it. I appreciate being here to be able to talk about it because this is how we figure it out. And I want to figure out some more. We're going to take one more break and we'll be back with Cage Leitner, who led the response for United Soccer Coaches, talking about standing in solidarity with every transgender and non-binary athlete around the country in opposition to all legislation that seeks to ban their participation in the sport they love. Cage Leitner, cageleitner.com, K-A-I-G Leitner, L-I-G-H-T-N-E-R.com. More with Cage when we return. This is Dean Linky again, and I wanted to take a moment to salute all of the great people that made this year's United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention such a great success. I had the great honor of serving as one of the hosts, and it was one of the best weeks in soccer 
I've ever had. With that, while the 2021 United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention might be over, you can still get involved as we're just getting started. You can still register to receive access to all session recordings and the Digital Convention platform. Chat with your soccer coaching community and take in top level presentations from coaches around the globe, all at your own convenience. To register and receive access, visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. That's right, you can still register for the 2021 United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention and have access to all of the amazing presentations. I hope you can take advantage of the special offer and again, visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your player's development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced-diplomas for more information. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. We are out front of this all important issue as the United Soccer Coaches stands in solidarity with every transgender and non-binary athlete around the country. You've heard me say that on multiple times and I'll probably say it again before we let Cage go. All right, Cage, let's hear your story. You grew up where, how old were you when you realized, hey, I'm not comfortable with who I am right now and how did you break the story it's kind of open-ended but let's get to know your story a little bit better sure yeah i grew up um in redmond washington we moved there when i was about seven years old um, i was originally born in colorado um i knew at a pretty young age that my identity within my own mind and how i thought about my gender and what was being presented in my body was was not matching I couldn't have told you that at a young age. I couldn't have put words to it, but something just didn't feel right. And that's a really common thing you'll hear from a lot of, of trans folks. Um, even though all of our stories are, are can be very, very different, that tends to be a pretty common theme. I do remember at the age of about four, you know, before any sort of bodies really change a whole lot and we all kind of look a little bit the same. Um, I have an older brother who's eight years older than me, and he and I were running around in the summertime, and I just have swim trunks on and no shirt, and I remember looking at him at, you know, the age of 12, I was four, and just thinking, I'm going to grow up to look like him. I'm, that's me. I'm going to be a boy, and that was, that was my identity. That's, it's, it's solidified, and there's actually a ton of research now that has shown that kids know what their gender is as young as the age of two sometimes anywhere from two to four kids know and so it's not a, a problem of the kid knowing who they are it's all of the outside aspects that put all these labels and all these ideas that don't always um, allow us to just be and so it wasn't until the age of like you know I was probably seven eight nine years old when I was still that that boy inside thinking of myself as a boy but now the way that I look isn't matching what girls are supposed to look like. And I'm going to school and being asked every day, are you a girl or a boy? Um, you know, I'm being asked all the time, are you in the right bathroom? You're not in the right bathroom. Being told I'm not behaving like a girl. I'm not doing things that I'm supposed to be doing that girls do, or why am I wearing those kinds of clothes? I mean, it was just constant. It was just a constant barrage. Um, I was very lucky that I never experienced any physical bullying or physical harm 
but a lot of emotional and psychological harm were, was done to me by my, my peers. Um, luckily, uh, I have an incredible family. I could go home and find safety and comfort and acceptance in my family. Um, it wasn't always easy. We weren't always getting along all the time, but I didn't, I never felt um, unloved or unwanted by my family based on how I, I presented my gender. Um, and so, you know, I went through as a kid into puberty, into adolescence, into high school, all through that time, just really struggling to, to find myself and to find where do I fit. And, and sports was where I fit. I became an athlete at the age of eight. And that was my first identity as an athlete. It was the place that I found so much uh, ability to just be me and to, to get rid of that anxiety and get rid of that tension and that anger because I could just run it out. Whatever sport I was playing, I could just burn it out. Um, so I played four sports all the way through up through high school. I was on the rowing team at college, like you said in my intro. I have just made sports and athletics the place where I find myself, um, and that includes coaching as well. But you did all those sports as a female, right? What was your name then, and when did you decide to change your name and maybe talk me through the process of how you handled that with your family and the people that mattered sure. the most to you? Yeah, sure. So my, my given name at birth was Catherine. I went by Kate for years and years, sometimes Katie, even though I wasn't a big fan of Katie, my mom loved to call me that. Um, and so I uh, changed that name to Cage um, at the, about the age of 23 or 24. But I did play all those sports as Kate on the girls' teams. And, you know, I was the, the super aggressive, really competitive, really intense girl on the team. I was considered a tomboy. That's kind of the label that gets put on to us a lot of times. Um, and I exuded my uh, athleticism in a way that was deemed as like a boy. I was constantly being told, oh, you're playing like a guy. You're playing too aggressive. You're, you're, you're too cocky. I was called mm -hmm. arrogant, cocky all the time. Um, if I'd been playing on the boys team, nobody would have called me that. They would have said, you're a hell of an athlete, right? I didn't get that as much. I sometimes, but more so just like, oh, you just got to tone it down a little bit. Um, and so, you know, I was in one way, really finding myself within sports and in another way, really feeling like, I just still don't fit in here. You know, where do I fit? First, I came out to them as gay. So in, at the age of 21, I first came out around about my sexuality um, and, you know, love and acceptance. And, and like I said, just an incredible family. And then about five, six years after that, I came back to them and said, okay, so here's the deal. I actually am feeling more like my, my gender is male. I'm going to start using male pronouns. I'm using this name cage. Um, and they were over the moon accepting of me. They were concerned about what this meant for my life. Like, what is this going to mean to be a transgender person? What does this mean to take testosterone? Um, I also had surgery at the age of 28 to remove breast tissue. You know, there's some major medical intervention that I went through to to find this person uh, that's been in, in me all along. Um, I have an incredible rare, rare story, Dean, to have a family that uh, supports me. There are so, so many people in my larger community of trans folks, of LGBTQ folks that don't have that. And it's, it's an important thing for me to say all the time because what it has allowed for me 
is the ability to, to sit here with you and talk about all this stuff with no anxiety, with no fear. I have no shame anymore. I have no psychological trauma around this because I had the support as a kid and I had people telling me, we love you, we support you. And that's what we have to do for trans kids as a community, as a population, as a whole, whether they have a supportive family or not, trans kids need to know that they are important and that they are valuable and that they are great just the way that they are. And that's what I got as a kid for my family. And, and that's what we can do as, as adults to provide for trans kids. It's so, so, so important. So people that are listening right now, and a lot of them are coaches, they could be dealing with what you went through, or they could know somebody that is dealing what you went through. What is your message to them? I know you said talk about it, but they need to find an outlet, right? They need to go to talk to somebody, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you're somebody who's listening that is, um, that is feeling like you, you, you're wrestling with, and you're trying to find that identity and you're trying to find your true place in the world, find your, find the people who love you and support you. It may not be your family. It may be your coach. It may be a, a dear friend. It may be somebody who's not even related to you in any way. Find those people who support you no matter what, that allow you to be you no matter what, good and bad, because that's what's going to allow you to, to continue to find yourself. It wasn't until I found my support in my community, even outside my family, right? We need people outside of our families too. Once I found my community who said, Cage, we see you, we, we want you to be you, then I got to just be me and let all those things unfold in the way that they're going to unfold. Um, and that can be really difficult. It can be so hard to find those folks. And, you know, now with all the connectivity we have through the internet, find those supportive people, find those supportive spaces. If soccer is what you find it in, lean head first into it. Find that place that you could just feel like you're at home. On internet and social media, a lot of the trans community, I do feel like they are finding themselves at home there and they are especially using the pronouns. Can you explain that process and what that means? Pronouns are uh, an, an interesting and varied subject um, and everybody's journey is different. Um, I think that the most important thing for people who are listening, who are still kind of trying to wrap their head around what is all this stuff around pronouns just know that you also have pronouns. Why do you use those pronouns? Why do they make sense to you? What makes them feel comfortable to you? That's the same for all of us trans folks, okay? This is just another way for us to identify ourselves and it's a way that matches how we are in the world. Maybe it matches with, I use he, him pronouns. That's how I get referred to. But if I don't like those pronouns because they don't fit me, maybe I use they, them, or I use something else that's made up. Um, the, the main point of the, all of the pronoun usage is that it's a part of somebody's identity, just like it's a part of your identity. Um, Dean, if some, if one day you came to me and said, Cage, I just really feel like I want people to refer to me as they, them, I'd say, great, Dean, sounds good. What do you want to do today? Right? It's just a part of your identity. It's just like your name. It's just like your job whatever is a part of your identity, that is how we think about pronouns. And the only reason it's tripping people up is that it's not part of dominant, typical mainstream culture to talk about pronouns. It's just part of this 
part of speech that people don't even think about. But now we're we're being we're being forced into thinking about it. And the younger generations are saying, uh, enough with the binary, everybody. We we've got different ideas of how we want to identify our gender, and we're gonna use they and them as gender neutral pronouns. And you better get used to it. You better figure it out. Uh, start practicing using it because it's it's what most people are gonna start using in the future, I guarantee you. United Soccer Coaches stands in solidarity with every transgender and non-binary athlete around the country in opposition to all legislation that seeks to ban their participation in the sport they love. I'm going to read that one more time before we're done, but Cage, before we get to that and what your underlying message is to everybody, tell everybody where you are today. You said at 21, you came out and said, you know what, I'm gay. Tell us what your life is like today. My life today is wonderful and fabulous and amazing and i'm the happiest i could ever possibly think to be i'm married to a wonderful cisgender queer woman we have an amazing home together we're working on trying to build a family and have a baby um i'm running quantum gender i'm running portland community fc which i've been running since 2013 um we haven't even gotten to talk about pcfc we could talk about that tell us about that yeah tell us about it yeah, yeah PCFC, Portland Community FC, is um, a really unique club in the competitive soccer landscape. We are specifically focused on providing soccer to low-income immigrant and refugee kids that just don't have an opportunity to participate in the big club system because it's too expensive. It's too exclusive. It's got too many barriers and too many hoops for families to jump through and get to participate and so PCFC, we are a competitive club. We're playing against the big competitive teams. We're going to the tournaments, but we charge 50 bucks a season. Every kid gets a free uniform. You need cleats and shin guards, done, no questions asked. You need a low income discount for $35 a season, done. We don't ask for why you need it. Prove to us you need it, that's it. You just need help for, from us, great. You need a full scholarship, great, done. I came into the world of uh, thinking about how to create inclusive soccer from a social work lens, from a lens of how do we remove barriers, how do we make sure that the experiences of those most marginalized and those most unrepresented in the soccer in the world of soccer, how are they centered? How do we put their lives and their experiences at the center of being able to play? and everything's created out of that. And so that's what we've got at PCFC. We've got 95 to 98% of kids are coming from um, low-income neighborhoods, from communities of color, and we've got some unbelievably talented soccer players. And that's the important part about this club is that we're giving opportunities to kids who are so brilliant and so talented and coming from communities and cultures where soccer is the thing. Football is the thing. We can call it football. Um, it is everything that their family does. It is family pride. It is, it is what everyone is focused on. And what an absolute shame that there is a system in this country that excludes kids from playing to get up to the highest level that they want to. I couldn't stand by and watch that happen anymore. So I created this club specifically to, um, to create those opportunities and uh, you can follow us all over Instagram, PCFC, PCFC Soccer, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. I'm going to make you tell the story, the Bruce Jenner slash Caitlyn Jenner. I oh. can't remember if you said you met her yes. when she was Bruce or Caitlyn, but I you got to tell the story. I will. Um, this story is not really out there, so I'm excited to get it out there. So um, I believe it was 2015. 
I was doing an event at Nike um, that was to bring in um, high school students from all the gay straight alliance uh, organizations in the state of Oregon. So it was like 500 high school students coming to Nike campus and I was on a panel and on and uh, Bruce Jenner at the time was Bruce Jenner was the guest speaker. And so Bruce, I'm going to refer to Bruce Jenner as Bruce and use male pronouns because that is what is historically accurate for the time of this story. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure everyone knows that, that I'm not disrespecting um, Caitlyn Jenner. But at the time it was Bruce. And when the panel got set up, he just invited himself to sit down on the panel and he sat down right next to me. And so I'm sitting next to Bruce Jenner. I've never sat this close to anyone this famous. And I was just like, wow, this is amazing. And these high school kids are asking all these questions. They're asking me a lot of questions because I'm the only known trans person on the panel, had no idea what was coming for Bruce Jenner. (laughs) And I get asked a question of, Cage, how do you define transgender? This was from a high school kid. It was just like, I have friends who define it all different ways. How do you define it? And I gave you know some kind of general answer of here's what I think of as the word of transgender. It's an umbrella term, blah, blah, blah. And Bruce Jenner leans over to me and whispers in my ear and says, this is all so complicated. And I put my hand on his shoulder and said, it's okay, Bruce, I'll help you out. Now, what? I had no idea that within that same year, I think it was like within months, everybody is talking about Bruce Jenner being Caitlyn Jenner and she's transitioning and she's been feeling this way for decades and she's wanted to be this person for decades. My mind exploded. I was like, holy cow. I was like one of the last people to talk to Caitlyn Jenner before she she came out. And I, yeah, it's a story that I love to tell. I still have a t-shirt from that event that has like the classic Bruce Jenner track, iconic uh, picture. From that event, said I'll help uh, you out. Did you have a feeling, or did you just mean that in general terms? Just general, because people always say to me, "This is so complicated." I'm like, "Great, I'll help you out. I'm here to help. (laughs) I'm an educator." Had no idea. Yeah, Yeah, I I will say that when I looked over at at um, Bruce Jenner and with the like blingy ears and the like really nicely polished nails, (laughs) I thought gosh, is this just how rich people look? Is this just kind of like, am I just not around enough like really famous rich people that this is just like standard? No, I think that I think that was Bruce trying to, to have some internal identity that they that she could hold on to, that Caitlin could be there, right? That Caitlin could be inside and, and exude a little bit of Caitlin while still being Bruce because what a unbelievably uh, high level stakes to come out on um, as a famous athlete like that. So Cage, as I hear your Bruce Jenner and Caitlyn Jenner story, and then I hear your story, which you've been so open about, and you've opened my eyes to allow me to see you and, and see others, and hopefully people that are listening will do the same thing. When you think about this legislation, is there some kind of worry that there's more Bruce Jenners out there that are going to transition and then dominate, for instance, female sports? Or what? What's the what's the main crux of all of this legislation and and where we are, if you will? Yeah, I mean, it's the same that I've been saying is that this is just it ultimately is not really being looked at universally across the board, if they're going to say we're banning trans kids from playing, 
but yet trans boys are going to be allowed to go and play on the girls teams and somehow that's going to be fair. I, I don't get it. I don't understand how, how any legislation can just look at the legislator can just look at this and say, uh, yeah, this is going to apply to all kids when ultimately it's going to end up being the same problem when you've got trans boys competing on the girls team. Um, you know, I will say, Dean, it's amazing to me that there has been, I've got it in my notes right here. There's been the state of Kansas, the state of North Dakota and South Carolina and Utah have vetoed these bills. Governors have stood up and said, nope, we're not doing this. I don't always think their reasoning is, is always altruistic, but I have heard some governors say, I've met with trans people, I've talked with doctors, I've talked with this about this issue, and it's not an issue. Why are we spending time and money and resources on something that's not an issue? And those are deeply red states. Um, so I think there is the ability for people to educate themselves on how this is going to impact uh, athletes and kids and families and to, to stand up against it. There's, there's got to be people who stand up against it. We're going to end with this. I'm going to read the statement one more time, and then I'm just going to ask you to summarize what it means moving forward, okay, on behalf of United Soccer Coaches, because the way I understand it, Cage, you were instrumental in writing this statement, correct? I was. Okay. United Soccer Coaches stands in solidarity with every transgender and non-binary athlete around the country in opposition to all legislation that seeks to ban their participation in the sport they love. We believe that every athlete deserves the opportunity to experience the thrill and joy of playing sports. We see you. We support you. We will rise together. Sum it up, Cage. Where do we go from here? Well, that last statement of we will rise together, I was thinking hard about that last statement when I wrote it. And what I was thinking about was all of the, the straight identified cisgender allies that we have out there, the people who want to see everyone to participate. We need you. We need your voice. We need your support. We need your power. We need the, your ability to stand in solidarity with us as trans people, as LGBTQ people. Um, and to move this forward is to talk about it. Talk about it with your friends. When you hear this podcast, say, hey, I just listened to this podcast. Did you know this is going on? Go to my website. I've got an incredible, right at the very top of my website on the top bar is a, a link to click on and it will take you to more information. You've got to learn about what's going on in these states. Reach out to your friends and family in those states. Tell them to contact legislatures. We got to do this together. This cannot be the trans people who do this. It's the same as with bringing down racial dis discrimination. It cannot be the brown and black people who do it. It's got to be the white people and the brown people and the black people and the trans and the queer and the straight. All of us have got to stand up against this. It's, it's got to happen. So well said. Stay classy is right on his t-shirt. Cage, I can tell you're always classy. Thank you so much for tackling this all important issue as we continue to open our eyes, including mine. Cage Leitner, pleasure to have you on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Thanks, Dean. It's great to be here. I want to thank Lee Gerald from United Soccer Coaches for bringing this important topic and this discussion to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Absolutely have to thank Cage Leitner for being so open and ready to fight this legislation. 
And I want to thank Sean Chevro and Bailey Conklin from United Soccer Coaches and all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches and each and every one of you for allowing this platform, this podcast to really cover all topics of soccer right here in the United States. That's why it's called United Soccer Coaches. One final thank you to Colin Thrash, our producer, for each and every one of them. I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Thanks for listening to the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. To learn more, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org and teamsnap.com.